Good morning. It's okay to say that back. Good morning. <laughs> My name has been said, Steve Stanton. I'm a pastor uh, at Forsgate Church on the north part of town. Uh, just like Vince, we're hoping to become church planning residents and plant a church in a couple years on the east part of town. Uh, we love this. This is where our heart is, church planting. I love the vibe of this church. It's great. Uh, I love that there's a bar in worship. That's great. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, we need to be here. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to bring uh, God's Word to you this morning. Uh, again, if you have a Bible and, and you're open, you saw where we're preaching. Uh, if you have a phone, too, I'd love for you to open there um, with us. We're looking at this I am statement uh, that Jesus told us, where he directly reveals to his disciples who he is and what he came to do. And so uh, he tells us in this text that he is the good shepherd of the sheep, the sheep who are in his flock. Uh, I know Vince already prayed for me, but I've only been a pastor for like a year. I need a little extra prayer, so let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it speaks to us. I pray that uh, you would help me to give your word to your people this morning, that it would uh, open our eyes, that we would have open hearts, open minds to hear your word, and that we would be changed by it, that we would be built up by your word so we can be sent out to do your will. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of my seminary professors, he was uh, also an archaeologist, uh, kind of a cool job. Uh, so he would go to ancient Israel, and he would unearth artifacts. And sometimes during the summer, he would uh, bring with him some of the students. So I never went on one of these trips, but apparently they're in Israel. They're doing one of these bus tours, uh, Bible tours of the, uh, the ancient Near East, and they've got a local tour guide. And so he's telling them all about sheep and shepherd and how the shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep can hear his voice. They respond to his voice. They'll follow the shepherd, even though they can barely see, by listening to his voice and going with them. They're, they're sort of a loyal flock, and the shepherd cares deeply for the sheep. And uh, as they're doing this, the bus stops uh, on the road, because at, at that moment, a, a flock of sheep are crossing the streets. So they have to wait for them to get across this dirt road. And in the back is a man, an old man with a beard, and he's got a, a long pole. But he's literally beating and whacking the sheep to get him across the road. And the students go, what's with this? Did you make all this up? All this stuff about shepherds loving their sheep? This guy's beating the sheep. And the tour guide, he, he smiles and, and he laughs and he says, that man, he's not the shepherd. That's the town butcher. Violent with his sheep. Not the good shepherd. As I was getting ready for this, uh, there was a great book. It's written by Philip Keller. It, he uh, calls it A Shepherd Takes a Look at Psalm 23 because he was a shepherd in the Middle East. It's a great book to really unpack this imagery that we kind of miss out on, this imagery of sheep and shepherds. Uh, nobody in the room is a shepherd, so we miss out on a little bit of that. Um, but he really unpacks it for us, and I love it. He talks about it at the beginning of his book, uh, when he first became a shepherd, he had a neighbor, a neighbor who was a contract uh, shepherd. He, he didn't own the sheep. He was hired just to watch after him. And this man was a bad shepherd. He was just in it for the money. Uh, he didn't really care about the sheep. He doesn't, so he doesn't take care of the land. There's no green pastures to feast on, just sporadic dry patches of grass. Uh, the sheep are sort of left to forage on their own. He's not taking them to the grass. They have to just find it on their own. Uh, they're constantly falling prey to attacks from dogs and cougars. He would regularly lose multiple of them. Um, and during the winter, he would always lose a few because he never stored up enough uh, to make it through the winter, to have enough food for them to survive. He, they didn't have shelter in the storms. All they had was a collapsed building on his property. 
The water they drank was muddy, full of manure. This man was not a good shepherd. But Jesus, he's saying now to this crowd of disciples, people who are very familiar with the occupation of shepherd and very familiar with the nature of sheep, and he tells them, you are my sheep, and I am your good shepherd. Now, this was originally written in Greek, and those, the words are flipped. If you, if you translate it literally, it would say, I am the shepherd, the good one. I am good at my job. I will care for the meadows. I'll lead my flock so that they'll be well-fed. I'll protect them from predators. I'll lead them to clean water. I will prepare for the winter so they can survive. And there's a word in Greek for the in there twice. It says, I am the shepherd, the good one. Jesus isn't just a good shepherd. He is the ultimate good shepherd. He's the shepherd that the Bible predicts would come. Uh, If you look back into the Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, there's a book there written by a prophet, Ezekiel, a few hundred years before Jesus even shows up. And in one of his prophecies, uh, in verse 30, or chapter 34, God speaks through Ezekiel and he condemns the leaders of Israel. He's saying, the way that you guys are leading Israel, you're bad shepherds. But then he turns to his people, Israel, and he says this. He says, I will be your shepherd. God will. I will tend to you. I will care for you. I will run after you when you scatter. I will protect you. God says he will be their good shepherd. And now Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He showed up onto the scenes and he says, I am. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that brings peace to the flock in the midst of danger. He's the one who's going to fight off the wolves. Jesus is committed to the care of his sheep because he's purchased them. He's not a hired hand. He's committed to them. He loves them. He saves them by snatching them from the jaws of death, the jaws of those predators, giving his own life so they can live. So if you're a write-down notes kind of person, those are the three points. Uh, Again, we're looking at Jesus, who's our shepherd. He does this by giving us peace as our protector. He knows us and deeply loves us, and he gave his life to save us. So in in, uh, Israel, during this time when Jesus lived, actually most of the shepherds were hired hands. That's why he's sort of specifically addressing this. They didn't own the sheep. Sheep were expensive. Usually wealthy people owned the flocks. And uh, the job of a shepherd was not a very good job. It was a lowly job. You were sleeping outdoors, uh, walking miles with the sheep, not bathing, not eating great meals. Literally, life was consumed 24-7 by being a shepherd. And so people would hire out people to look over the flock. They were hired shepherds. And this was sort of a systematic issue going on in society at the time. And, and, and Jesus is making commentary on it. The shepherds, they would, uh, these hired shepherds, they would watch over the sheep. They would take them to the pastures. They would take them to the watering holes. Uh, but when danger came, they weren't really there for the sheep. Watering holes is also where predators go, right? They need water too, but there's also a chance where the prey has its head down, drinking the water is vulnerable. And so lions and bears and wolves would come and attack them. And these hired shepherds would say, nope, I don't get paid enough for that. You know, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to go attack a bear with the stick. You know, there was no loss to them if they lost the sheep. They were just hired. Defending the flock was a different story. But Jesus is looking at this systematic problem, and he's saying, God is not like that. I will not be that kind of shepherd. I'm the good shepherd, the one who owns the flock, who will fight the wolves when they come after you. Again, this is what it said in the first three verses where we get this. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. In Jesus' example, he is the good shepherd, which also makes us the sheep, which isn't much of a compliment. Sheep are pretty dumb, defenseless, sitting ducks in the wild, really. Uh, They have absolutely nothing. You know, dogs have teeth. Sheep have nothing to defend themselves. And because of this, they're very fearful, uh, oftentimes paralyzed in fear. A wolf would come and attack a, flop, a flock, and most of the time they would just stand there and allow themselves to get eaten, not able to flee, not even able to make a bleat, just be torn apart. And they're also, sheep are, are pretty much blind. They can't see anything. And so bunny rabbits can run up onto a flock and make the entire flock stampede because they just don't know what's headed their way. Very fearful animals, can't see. We're definitely like sheep. We don't know the dangers ahead of us. In a lot of ways, we're just defenseless to the things life throws our way. We can't see what's coming in the future. Now we try and plan our calendars, we have goals in our life, but really we don't know what's coming our way. And this fear of the unknown, the the understanding of our helplessness, it causes anxiety in our life, right? We, We feel vulnerable, we're sort of helpless to the way that the world can just decide to throw whatever it wants at our way. But Jesus is saying, I can see I stay alert. I'm the good shepherd with good eyes. And I stand and I watch my flock with staff and rod in hand ready to defend. The world isn't like that. The world can leave us alone and hanging. The world is like a hired hand when trouble comes. In the winter of uh, 2011, there was a man named Raymond Zach. He walked off of a beach in California during the winter into the water. And his parents knew he was deeply depressed and struggling, and so they immediately called the authorities because he was trying to commit suicide. The firefighters were the first to arrive on the scene, followed by a group of police officers. They even call in the Coast Guard to, to try and help, and everybody just stands there. Nobody does anything. The police later say, well, we thought the firemen were going to go in and save them. And the firemen say, well, we weren't open water rescue certified, and so that's why we didn't go in after them. And uh, there were dozens of people at the beach just standing, watching, waiting for the professionals to do something. And finally, due to to hypothermia, uh, Raymond collapses under the water. And there's a good Samaritan watching at the beach, and he puts his hands up, and he looks around at the inaction. Is nobody going to do anything? And so he runs out off the beach into the water to grab Raymond, but it was too late. He had already drowned. You see, the hired hand will not risk his life to save others. He would never risk losing his own life for sheep that he does not love or own. He loses nothing if the sheep are lost. But Jesus is not a hired hand. He paid for us at great cost to himself. He's invested in us. He doesn't want to lose his investment. So he watches over us closely. He protects us from danger. While the world would stand and watch us collapse under the water, our good shepherd will jump in and rescue us, even if it means risking his own life. And he's able to save us. He is powerful enough to do that. But when we think of an all-powerful God, we can be intimidated, not comforted. Thinking about submitting ourselves to that feels like we could be submitting ourselves to the rule of a tyrant, when we'd rather kind of wander alone. 
We don't want to give up freedom and our autonomy to be told what to do all the time. But defenseless sheep on their own are vulnerable to the wolves. They're defenseless. We're blind like sheep are blind to the dangers that lie ahead in life when we're on our own. Loved ones we might lose early. Jobs that might have to let us go unexpectedly. Getting a diagnosis from the doctor that nobody saw coming. Being betrayed by a friend. You see, fearing tyranny is the thing that actually brings us alone. It's the thing that brings us vulnerable. It's the thing that leaves us wandering in this world where we're constantly searching for real safety and real security. That's actually what makes us feel unsettled and restless. We can't find comfort when we're on our own because we're full of fear and anxiety because of that lack of security. Now, God is all-powerful, but he is not a tyrant. That rod that he holds is for protection. It's like a daughter who hears a loud noise in the basement and clings to her daddy's arms. In her eyes, he is all-powerful. But he uses that power to protect her and defend her, not to rule over her in tyranny. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's our shepherd and he knows his flock. He loves his flock and his flock of sheep know him. Uh, Being known by God isn't much better. It sounds just as scary. When I first became a Christian in college, I remember hearing somebody pray a prayer, pray a prayer, Lord, search me and know me from, from the Psalms which is really an intimidating prayer. Know all my shortcomings, faults, and failures, God. But being known by God isn't about being good enough to be passing the test. He knows you, and he knows you're good enough to be there. No, being known by God is the way that he cares for us. Okay, sheep had thick wool coats, and they needed to be inspected below the visible surface to see the skin, to see if there were ticks, to see if there was diseases. The shepherd needed to know his flock so he could care for his flock. And God cares for us. He knows us. He knows our mistakes. He knows our failings. He's well aware of our weaknesses. You can't hide them from him. He calls us still his sheep. That's how he knows we're we're defenseless and dumb and naive. He calls us sheep. You see, sheep were very dumb. Uh, They eat whatever's in front of them. They would often die from eating poisonous weeds if the shepherd wasn't supervising them. They would constantly wander off, leaving the flock getting stuck in fences and holes. They walk unknowingly toward cliffs and rocks over the water. For whatever reason, even with a good shepherd, sometimes the sheep would say, you know what, I'd rather do this on my own. And they'll leave the green pasture that the shepherd took them to, cross the fence into the dry, barren, bad shepherd's land. We're always pushing the boundary to find out what's on the other side only to find out there's a reason there was a fence there and there's a reason there's no other sheep on the other side. And sheep were helpless. Uh, This was really interesting when I found out um, when a sheep is fat, well taken care of, when it has a big, thick, unshaven coat, it hasn't gotten to be sheared yet, it it can actually lay down and the weight of that will, will make it roll on its back and it gets stuck on its back, can't move its legs. Uh, They actually call that a sheep that is cast or cast down. It's like when we describe when we're sad and we're downcast. That's where that comes from. See, as sheep, we're constantly running away from our shepherd. But if we roll on our backs without him, we're dead. Jesus knows we're always running from him, but he is patient with that weakness. You see, he knows us and he loves us, even as we're constantly wandering. 
Philip Keller in that book I talked about, about being a shepherd, he talks about one sheep in particular he had. Uh, he named her something like uh, Little Miss Goes Her Own Way because she was always going her own way. And so when she would run off from the flock and he would have to leave them in danger and go out and search her for her, uh, he sort of endearingly would just say to himself, well, there goes Little Miss going, Goes Her Own Way, going her own way again. And when he found her, he wasn't upset. He, he found her uh, cast down at one point. And he doesn't scold her and beat her. Instead, he says, thank God I found you. If I hadn't found you sooner, you would be dead. I would have lost you. So I searched for you, and I'm glad that I could save you. Verse 14 to 15 in our text said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus knows us intimately. He loves us dearly. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Psalm 56, it says that God knows every single one of your tears. He's been there with you through every hardship. He knows your, your sorrows and is deeply familiar with it, the Bible says. Jesus even says in this text, I know you so deeply, I love you so deeply, you can compare our relationship to the relationship I have with the Father. I love my flock like God loves me. That's how close we are. It's hard to even comprehend. But when we just begin to get a, a glimpse of how loving and patient and kind uh, Jesus is with us, how, how he knows us but still loves us despite our faults and failures, we don't have a fear to be known by him anymore. We can, we can open ourselves up. We can begin to be seen for who we truly are. And when we understand how absolutely patient he is with us, how endearingly he laughs at us as we, as we kind of constantly run from him, we can no longer look down on other people for acting like sheeps. Right? That's often the frustration we have. We're acting when people are acting dumb and naive, when they pretend to be defenseless. But that's what verse 16 is about. It says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. So there's going to be one flock and one shepherd. Now Jesus comes with some shocking news to the Israelites. They had read Ezekiel. They knew that one day God was going to be their shepherd, but he was going to be shepherd of the Jews. But Jesus is preparing them to see other people are coming into this flock. And the only way that they were going to be able to accept that message was if they understood they weren't in the flock because of some special status they had earned. They too were helpless, defenseless sheep like everybody else in the world. That's the only way that they'd be able to understand that they, they were to receive the whole world. You see, God is a loving and a passionate father, and he loves the whole world deeply. He knows all of us are a bunch of naive, helpless sheep. He knows our faults, and he still loves us. That's what love really is, though, isn't it? I mean, it's not sticking with somebody because they make you feel good and you get something out of it. Real love is when you, when you find out somebody's faults and failures, and you stick with them through that. When you do things for them, just for them, not because you're going to get something out of it. See, we are deeply known by God and loved by God. Have you experienced this in your own life? Feeling that known by God. Uh, when I was a, a super senior in college, that's what they call super smart people who get an extra year to finish college. Uh, a friend convinced me to do a study abroad program with him in Paris. The city of love with my guy friend. Not, not my first choice, but okay, I'll go. 
Well, last minute he bails on me, decides not to go, and so I, I went on the trip uh, anyways by myself um, to France, a, a place I didn't really want to go. In the first place, I didn't speak a word of French, and I went a few weeks early before the school had started, and man, I have never experienced loneliness like I felt there. Um, not known by anybody, nobody wanted to get to know me, nobody wanted to speak English with me. I was living in a 120-square-foot apartment by myself on top of this uh, very loud gay bar called the Bear Cave. Um, literally, though, thousands of miles from anybody who knew me, anybody who cared about me. It just felt so isolating, so helpless. But in that moment, I realized something about God. I'd only been a Christian for maybe two years at this point. I was desiring some human company, some friendship, but I realized even if my best of friends were here, what would they really do to solve that loneliness? I mean, they knew me a little bit, uh, but they didn't really know me. They didn't know what I had done before college. They didn't know uh, some of the things I had experienced in my life. They didn't know all the thoughts that I had had. They didn't know the reasons why I did things. They didn't know all my, my goals and dreams. But you know what? God did. He knew me more deeply than anybody in my life could ever know me. Even if you're married to somebody for 60 years, God will know you more intimately than that person. It was in that realization, the fact that I was so known by God in that moment that he was with me, that that loneliness went away despite the fact that I was totally alone and isolated. I didn't feel loneliness anymore. And all those things that he knew about my life were things about me straying and leaving him constantly, and he was still there loving me. The prophet Isaiah, we read this in um, our Confession of Sin in chapter 53, says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We're naive and we're dumb and we're helpless. We wander off and our good shepherd constantly has to come to our rescue. You might be like that sheep, uh, little miss goes her own way, never committing to the church, constantly leaving God, uh, only running back because things have gotten really bad. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why you got dragged here. But don't let your running away be the reason that keeps you away. God knows you run away. He endearingly calls you the one always going its own way. He just wants you back under his care and his flock to be known by him and to be loved by him. If you don't know God, if you don't believe that he loves you, uh, again, you probably don't like this idea that he can prod into our lives. Maybe, you, maybe things are going all right with you. You feel fine. You feel pretty good. And so why would you want God meddling in your life? And maybe things for you right now are pretty good and comfortable. But maybe that's just describing the fat sheep with the thick wool of coat. Your life might be good now, but I hope you don't fall over on your back. Helpless to get yourself back on your own feet. Wouldn't you want somebody who loves you? Wouldn't you want the shepherd nearby you in case that happened? You see, sheep don't die because they're weak. Sheep die because they're, uh, they stray from their shepherd. The sheep are blind. They're defenseless. They're naive and helpless on their own. That, we need a shepherd. That's just how God designed us. Turkeys have incredible eyesight in the wild. Deer have incredible senses of smell. Those are the things that keep them alive. Those are the things God's given them to keep them alive. And sheep have something too. They have an incredible sense of hearing. And that hearing helps them stay by their shepherd hear his voice, follow him, know where he is, know how to get to him. He knows them and they know his voice. 
In the Middle East, uh, water can be so scarce that there are these sort of watering holes, uh, wadis, uh, multiple shepherds and multiple flocks can be at one time drinking from them. And it's amazing to see, you can look up videos on YouTube, uh, one shepherd called out, it's time to go, and the sheep pick themselves out one by one from the mixed up crowd. They know that that shepherd has called them and they'll leave the mix of sheep and go with their shepherd. They know his voice with incredible hearing. We need to listen to our shepherd. We need to spend time with Christ, hearing his voice, to know the voice of our shepherd, staying close to him, hearing his words in scripture. That's how we hear him. You see, we're weak sheep, but God gave us this amazing ability to listen. He's given us his word And safety and security comes from being with our shepherd, one who knows us and loves us, the one who can be by us and be cared uh, and care for us. Jesus cares for us so much, he was willing to die for us. In fact, he is the shepherd who did die for us. And Jesus did not die by accident. In fact, this is what Jesus came to do. It was on purpose. It wasn't like a shepherd who went out to save his sheep and gets kind of in a tussle with a a wolf, and in an effort to save his own life, he gets overpowered and killed. No, Jesus went out to the wolf to die so that we may be saved. In a sense, it's like our world has one wolf, and it has a hunger for one meal, and that one meal has been satisfied. So Christ died to save us. He conquered death for good. He raised himself back to new life. His death was not a tragedy, right? That's what we would think. Most people would die. Jesus was only 33. Most people who die when they're 33, what do you think? How sad, you know, what a tragedy. He had so much left to live. Imagine if he had, you know, lived for a few more decades. No, that's not what we think about Jesus. When Christ died, it was a triumph because he did exactly what he was meant to do. He accomplished the mission that God had given him on this earth when he went and died on the cross. We see this in our last two two verses, uh, 17 through 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Another great shepherd in the Bible, he was from a long time ago in ancient Israel, thousands of years ago. His name was David. He ended up being the greatest king of Israel. But before he was a king, he was a shepherd. It talks about this, in, in, uh, again, back in the Old Testament, the beginning of the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17. David said this about being a shepherd. When there came a lion or a bear, and it took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it, the lamb, out of its mouth. These lambs were in the, the mouth of lions being dragged away from the flock. In a sense, their fate was sealed. They were dead. They were going to get killed. But David pursued them and literally pulls them from the jaws of death. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 describes Jesus in the exact same way. They call him the great shepherd who brings us back from the dead. You see, though we die physically one day, Jesus snatches us from the jaws of death, dies in our place so that we can be with him in eternity. You see, it's one thing to risk your life for the safety of others. It is a whole other thing to actually die for somebody but Christ did this he came down from heaven became a man and died in the place of man he became a sheep like we're sheep he understands sheep he was one he was tempted in all the ways we were temp- tempted he can sympathize with 
our sheep weaknesses. He, he, he experienced them. As a sheep, he died for the flock. As a man, he died for mankind. Now, I've heard of doctors risking their own lives to save others, but have you ever heard of a doctor who took the disease from somebody, took the infection into their own bloodstream, died for that other person so that they can live? That's what Jesus did. He became a sheep, and he was torn apart by wolves, so we didn't have to be. And it's not an exaggeration. The torture that led up to his crucifixion, the crucifixion itself, uh, the nails in his hands, the side pierced, there is no question what he went through was like a lamb being torn to pieces by a wolf. He bore that kind of pain and death for you. He literally snatched us from the mouth of the beast to save us from the jaws of death. Our heart connects with this story. I, a few years ago, read a story. Um, I can't remember. I think it was in one of the places we lived. But it was an 11-year-old boy playing out in the street with his sister. Um, and he sees a car coming. And without thinking, he runs into the street, pushes his sister out of the way to save her, and the car slams into him. Another story um, I remember of this kind of self-sacrifice. A 22-year-old man, he's on a hike in California, and he sees a little boy fall into the river. And despite the fact that he can't swim, he jumps in for the boy. And he's able to hold the boy up over his head as he's under the water just long enough for his parents to come and save him. But he drowns, saving that little boy. Jesus jumped into the path of death to save you. He didn't hesitate. That was his mission. That's how much he loved you. That's why the Father loves him. And that's why God can call us into his family. He is the good shepherd who sacrificed his life for us. And what Jesus did that day, that inspired thousands of generations to give their lives for others. The first man to contract Ebola in Africa, first outsider, was a Christian doctor who went into the heart of the disease to save others. Father Damien, he's a famous uh, Catholic missionary. He went to live in an island in Hawaii, rough assignment, but it was an island where lepers were shipped off to die in isolation, uncared for. Nothing on the island. But he lived among those lepers and cared for them for 11 years until he too contracted the disease, died for them. You see, people are able to do that because they had a shepherd who died for them. Because they, they have been snatched from the jaws of death. They, they have another hope in eternal life. And so they can give their lives for others. You see, we all have a disease that's killing us. It's our sin. There was a disease sheep could get. It was something called scab. You would get it on their heads and rub against each other. And it would spread through all of the sheep in a flock. And in order to cure the sheep, the shepherd would have to make a huge bath of solution and dip each sheep in it individually to clean them from this disease that would ultimately on its own kill them. They had to be washed clean. Now the Bible says that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross washed us clean. We were unclean sinners, we're running from God, we're diseased, we're destined to die on our own, but Jesus dies for us. He takes that sin and that disease onto his own shoulders. He receives the death we deserved. He took the disease on himself. The wrath of God was satisfied. When we were made clean, there was nothing left to punish. Again, he satisfied death's hunger. That wolf is no longer prowling around. His hunger is satisfied in devouring Christ, a life that he laid down voluntarily. He did it on his own because he loves his sheep. He truly was the great shepherd. And so we have nothing to fear in death. This can be one of anybody's deepest fears. I had a coworker who was so afraid to even talk about death because they didn't want their minds to go there. 
But we no longer have anything to fear in death. Though we die physically, we are snatched from the jaws of death by our shepherd. In a sense, death now is like a bee who has already stung and left its stinger in Christ. It can still buzz around us, it can scare us, it can catch us off guard, but it's destined to die. The stinger is stuck squarely in Christ. There's no power over us. Jesus is the shepherd, the good one. And not just any shepherd, he's the shepherd who knows his sheep and his sheep know him. He's their protector from the predators. He's the one who knows us and loves us. He's the one who gave his life for us. You see, God goes out into the world and he brings his sheep back in. All of us have been scattered by difficulties in our lives, but he restores us. He brings us into the flock to care for us and restore us. And now we are instruments of his restoration in this fallen and broken world. We too are instruments of our Redeemer, called to go out into the world and bring the kind of peace and protection that our good shepherd brought us. So if he protected us, the vulnerable sheep from predators, you too in your work, you're supposed to seek ways to protect the vulnerable. Make sure nobody is taken advantage of. That's how you serve as a shepherd. If the, if the shepherd brought peace to the sheep by planning out the roots of what pastures they were going to eat at, where and when, so it wouldn't kill all the grass, if they would uh, lead them on planned treks to the right pastures, save enough hay for the winter, prepare the shelter for the winter, you too, through planning and oversight, are to bring people to places of flourishing, to save up, to prepare wisely for the storms that your family or your business could face in this world. And we're to get out of here and do it. We're not supposed to stay huddled up as sheep inside a barn. We're not supposed to stay huddled up as Christians inside of these walls of a church. Uh, when, when sheep do that, the barn just fills up with manure. But when those sheep go out, we change it. It's a different name. It's fertilizer. It's a good. So get out. Bring peace and protection to your places of influence. Because you're a sheep who's cared for and loved for, and so now you can give that to others. And one final thought, uh, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are in his flock. You never have to leave. We have a good shepherd who gives us all we could ever need. He cares for us. He loves us deeply. He's willing to die for us. That's the kind of shepherd sheep dream of. And he'll be our shepherd and we get to be his sheep for all eternity. There was a little girl who uh, stood up before a church to recite Psalm 23, the words we... uh, we, we read in, in the last song before I got up here. But she messed up the first line a little bit. She said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. I pray we would be able to say and believe such true and beautiful things. Jesus is my shepherd. He's all I want. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you speak to us in ways um, that give us images Show us that we are like sheep. That show us that you are like a good shepherd who cares for us, is willing to die for us. Father, you are our good shepherd. Help us to no longer fear on our own, but know that you are with us. Help us to feel that you know us and love us deeply in our hearts so that loneliness goes away. Help us no longer fear being ruled by you, knowing you're a shepherd who isn't ruling over us, but caring for us like a a father loves his children. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who did lay down his life, and it is signed and sealed here in this feast. It is a feast for you because God offers himself, and it is, hopefully, you can proclaim, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. He's all I want. And so he invites people to come and feast upon his broken body and his blood shed for you. If that's what you deeply need, if you need Jesus Christ as your shepherd, then this meal is for you. Here at Grace and Peace, we'll come toward the center, toward two aisles right here. You'll take bread. It is offered to you as Christ's body, as a sign of his body that was broken for you. You'll take and eat that, and then there will be uh, grape juice on the outer circle and wine on the inner rings. And it is to sign and seal Christ's blood, which was shed and poured out his life for your life. So you can have real life. It's for you. And he offers it to you. And on the ends, Emma, Thomas will be there to pray for you on one end. And, and Holly, if you can, uh, will be there to pray as well. If you, especially if you have kids who have not professed faith in Christ yet, and you need prayer for them, have them pray for you. If you are just anxious and you need a shepherd, have them pray for you. It's there. But if that is not your, your, if you have not made a profession of faith, that you have not declared that you need Jesus Christ more than you need bread, if you have not declared that you need Jesus Christ, he's not your shepherd, if that's not your confession, then just observe, watch what people do, but let it pass by. We don't want you to do anything inauthentic to where you are into your beliefs. But if this is true, if this is true of you, that you believe that Jesus Christ is your shepherd, then come and feast on him. And fe- feast, eat, and enjoy, because he loves you and gives it to you freely. Therefore, let us proclaim our faith as signed and sealed in this sacrament. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread after giving thanks, and he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take of it and eat. Likewise, after supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it as often as you do. In remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim his death for us until he comes again. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving God, I pray that we would feast on you as a sign of the coming feast that you have prepared for us, that as the great shepherd, you will lead us and you are bringing us there. Through all our anxieties, through all of our wanting, through all of our hurts, you will get us there because your, your life, your body was broken, your life was poured out, and you did it not because we were worthy, but because we were needy and because you love us. Lord, be with us now. Please bless these elements so that our faith would be nourished. In Christ's name, amen.